You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. McFarland, McFarland Energy, thanks so much for sponsoring the Bradfoe Show. Hi, Bloom. I know that you've heard that many times because you've listened to this podcast so much. So <laughs> you are a big fan of McFarland Energy, I would imagine. I mean, they're the best. They're the Where best. else would you want to get your energy? <laughs> so, I mean, like, energy comes in so many. We all need energy, and there's no better place to get it than McFarland. Um, but there's no person I'd rather be sitting here talking with in Bloom. Um, way back, we talked uh, when you, it, was, it wasn't too long after you were hired. You were very nice to sit in a suite with me, take my T-shirt, do a podcast. Um, we were dancing around the Mookie raindrops. Or, you know, man, that, that we were just thinking, wow, this is as good as it gets, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I learned pretty quickly, I still have the T-shirt, by the way. Um, <laughs> do, you ever, yeah. do you ever wear the Bradfoe Show T-shirt? Have you ever worn it, ever? Yeah, I have. Oh, you can. All, yeah. right. All right, fair. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you. Mostly I wear it around the house, but... <laughs> Yeah. I have worn it out in public once or twice. Nobody has ever said anything, but that doesn't mean they didn't notice. Well, of course, they're intimidated by you, both you and the podcast. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for joining us. And so we're gonna we're gonna touch on a lot of things, and you know, ask some tough questions. But most, I want to start with um, you because I want to be fair. You ask me a tough question. Like I, I'm just. I this is this isn't a one way street. I want you to ask me about my profession. I want you to ask me about something that I did, or not necessarily I did, but our profession. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you sit there and you say, why did they do this? Or why did they do that? I'm an open book. Like, much like you have to fend off all these questions, and you'll have to do it again today. And I think it's fair, don't you? I mean, ask me a question. I didn't come in here thinking that that was going to be part of this. I know, Honestly, but... Honestly, like, I, I really appreciate the tough questions because... Yeah. Um, you know, there are a lot of things where I think people make assumptions or people speculate. And, you know, once in a while I hear about those things and I think, well, I wish they would just ask me because, you know, if not saying everything we do is perfect, it's not. But sometimes people assume reasons or read reasons into things or think that we're thinking something that we're not. And Mm -hmm. I say, well, man, these people have access to me. They should just ask me. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean they have to agree or think we're right. But, you know, I try to be as as straightforward as I can. So I actually appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) uh, So I'm looking forward to this. And I think sometimes when we get to sit down together, it's an easier format than, you know, in a big scrum where you really, you know, it's really about the soundbite. It's really about a quote. Um, And, you know, honestly, like, if you think you guys, you know, I, I, I walking through the ballpark and talking to our fans, like they're, they're locked in. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not afraid to tough. So they won't yell either. at you. Um, you know, I, I think when you take people out from behind keyboards, oh, they, of course. they get oh. a lot better. No, um, I refuse to believe that people will yell things, but, uh, then they'll run away. it's no, no, no. <laughs> usually it's sometimes a lot of times they'll yell encouraging things or, yeah. uh, you know, as you might imagine, a lot of the things people yell at me these days has to do with, uh, <laughs> signing or extending, uh, you know, some, some notable sure. individuals on our team. <laughs> um, but honestly, th- like I have really good conversations with them, whether it's out back, you know, leaving, leaving the building every night or, you know, walking around the stadium, uh, sometimes during games, which I do, um, we, we have the best fans. So, you know, they are really locked in on what we're doing. But so I mean it, I want you to, if you, because this is a two way street, right? I like, if you same sort of thing, like I know how this works. I know that in the offices and the dugouts and the clubhouse, 
Like, why why they do that? Why they ask that? Why they write that? Why are they approaching it that way? Well, if you so if you really want me to, yeah, I, I, I do. Can, I can I start. Do. Yeah. So I will say this. I don't think you've said this to me specifically, but some mm-hmm. of your counterparts okay. have occasionally said, okay, you know, almost like, hey, you know, we're doing what we're doing, but our incentive is we need to write something that people will click on. We mm-hmm. need to, you know, create a headline or, 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 you know, find the spiciest thing we can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what our jobs are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that's kind of the reality. We're in the entertainment business. That's right. what we, we are all doing. And, that, and that's entertaining. So my question is, to what degree does that come into your day to day? And how, how do you navigate it? Uh, you know, what what might be like that sometimes what's most interesting about mm-hmm. an issue might not really be the actual substance of an issue and you kind of have to pick and choose. It's a right? great question. And and honestly, one like I when I hear the term clickbait, I cringe because clickbait is if people are clicking, they're interested in what you're doing. The unfortunate thing, Haim, is that that when I talk to journalism classes, the headline is more important than the story. It just is. That's just the fact. Because no one in this day and age, no one's going to take the time to sift through a story unless they're like, oh, this is an interesting headline. So you've probably seen it where, wow, man, this headline is, and then you're like, oh, no, the story isn't, is what it is. But, you know, we're all judged on, our bosses in, in our organizations, we're all judged on, we're measured more than ever. When I was working at the Boston Herald, I had no idea what was being read, what wasn't being read. But now we know. Now we know what's being read. Now we know what's being consumed on audio or whatever. So when you see this works, in other words, there'll be literal players on where you're like, I'll give you an example. Eduardo Rodriguez, right? There was plenty of interesting stuff with Eduardo Rodriguez. I wrote the story that said Eduardo Rodriguez has a heart condition and it didn't get clicked on very much, right? I wrote a story plenty of times of the interesting conversation about Eduardo Rodriguez's contract, which contract stuff is always usually interesting. And they'll say, and it didn't get clicked on. So my point is, is that for whatever reason, there sometimes there's players, which you see the analytics and you see the thing. And it's like, okay, they, so now you move on to the next one. So when you see maybe like somebody being talked to over and over and over again, a lot of times, to be perfectly honest with you, that is because they're seeing that. They're seeing the byproduct of that. Now, we know usually, and I think uh, John Tomasi said this, is like it went from writing almost exclusively on the field to almost exclusively off the field. Have you noticed that? Like that shift? I don't see everything. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I generally try to keep up with it, but it's probably not good for me to see everything. Yeah. Um, so you mean, you know, writing more about Contra- contra- contracts, yeah. you know, um, you know, stuff like that. And, and the great thing about baseball is that there's so much to pick apart with every game. But the problem is we only have so much time and so much bandwidth. So we're like, okay, well, we got to pick something. So, and I'll give you an example since we're being honest. Like yesterday, you guys have 20 hits. What do you think people are writing about today? Kem Plawecki, right? I mean, so that's, that's sort of it. It's like what we're being judged on. Now, I think it's important, and I try to do this. I hope I do this is not be salacious and not like misrepresent and not just run up because there's plenty of stuff I can write about that I don't. 
um, and not just run up and just be like a, attack dog. Hey, you look, tell me about this, but you do know what is going to sort of, for lack of a better term, work. And what is it? I, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, yeah, or offering any insight or some of it. Like that's part of what makes, makes baseball great is mm-hmm. that it, I mean, really now it's all, all year, but as a fan, um, you know, you're, it's with you the whole summer. Yeah. And it's every day. And well, so- that's another part of it, not to interrupt. That's another part of it is that it's hard to, to cover baseball because the tr- the everyone wants the immediacy of everything. This weekend, you guys lose 9 nothing. Travesty. Next day, you have 20 hits. Oh, my goodness, they're so good. That's hard to cover. Yeah, and baseball doesn't lend itself well to that because not that I'm an expert in other sports, uh, but – you know, a lot of other sports, you just don't see that as much on every given day. In baseball, there's a reason why we play so much. It's because it takes the fullness of the season really to, to, to kind of separate teams in most cases. I mean, obviously, some teams really sure. separate themselves one way or the other. So that's not that uncommon. And the how it gets described has so much to do with the type of year that you're having it is. and how people feel about it. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, I think one of the most impressive things about guys who play at this level is really like the mental fortitude and uh you know everybody in a major league dugout is used to that experience where you lose nine nothing one day and you look awful and the next day you're dominant and that happens more than we like to think i mean it happened a couple weeks ago in baltimore right mm-hmm. we get we 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 drop 17 on them saturday night you say boy this offense is really rolling and then the next day we scored two mm-hmm. and it was enough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that happens a lot in our sport in a way that you don't see as much in other sports, partly because it's every day, partly just the nature of the game. Um, it's seven know, months. Huh? It's like, just how it is. It's seven months. I mean, and that's hard to see, especially it's, it's people. And this, this is a bigger conversation and one which I would love to have some time and just wrote about, which, but, which is how baseball is so different of how this is the conversations, you know, this is a conversational sport. Everything else is immediate reaction sport, everything. Um, so I hope I, I don't know if I answer your question. Yeah, I hope yeah. I, I tried to be honest. Yeah. And- I mean, putting myself in, in your shoes, you know, it's, it is something that you have to navigate when you're, mm-hmm. when you're covering the sport, but it's also part of what makes it great is because the people really do matter and then the narratives matter and the characters matter. I, well, that's the thing too. I think yeah. for me, I like, personalities i like the character i like the human and that human interest it's a it's a reality show right um to a certain degree and i know that they don't want to hear that like because the, they're playing baseball right. yeah and that's where you know when you're actually in it and you're doing it so much of our focus is making sure that that doesn't bleed through to the players right. day to day that our staff isn't focused on it that we're not focused on it and that most of all the players aren't focused on it that you know the guys who do this the best they stay in the moment and they're not worried about that other stuff. They block it out really well. It's really easy to say. It's hard to do. Well, this, again, come back to the, the here and the now. This weekend was tough for that. I mean, let's be honest. This was a perfect microcosm of exactly what we're talking about, where you have to make a baseball decision, and then you have to, you, on top of the baseball decision that you feel, obviously, every baseball decision you make, you think is the right one. And you have tons of information and, and educated opinion, and people are going to agree with it and not agree with it. But then on top of it, now you have to deal with a whole nother layer of it, maybe like three layers to it, honestly. Um, so my question is like, so obviously, the Plawecki thing happened is, 
and you know, and I saw you talk to Steve Hewitt about this, is that this was one of the toughest decisions that you've had to make, right? Correct? Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, this is, you know, the one thing I think when you do something like this and people might think, okay, you know, he, he is who he is baseball-wise. They don't know or appreciate or understand uh, what he means to this group. We, we do, and we knew exactly how it would land. Um, and it was something that Alex and I in particular talked a lot about. And ultimately, you have to weigh that against what's our responsibility mm. to make the right baseball move. And we know, look, no one likes where we are, but given where we are, we need to to look at those other two guys, and unfortunately, the rules are different now. We only get twenty eight. Sure. So it's sort of wild to think that we would never have had this chaos, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, okay, you could say, well, still keep him around and do that to someone else, but that's still someone else's life and career. And maybe if we if we make some other decision and make some other move and we commit to to uh, you know to just okay, you know. Kevin, you're not going to play. We're going to play these other two guys, and uh, but you get to stay around. Uh, you know, we could designate somebody else, and no one says anything. We we dodge that incoming. Mm -hmm. But is that really better? Uh, is that really something that we should feel good about when we look ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day? And is it better for Kevin, who you know, one thing I I, I think is really important here, like we wanted to make sure that at least in our minds now obviously people can differ on this that we weren't going to do anything that was going to harm his career knowing where he is coming up on free agency and i don't think it's good for for his free agency for him to basically sit on the bench for a couple of weeks uh in case there's another another place for him to play so not that that's the overriding factor the overriding factor is what's right for the red sox but you know we do think about all these things mm. and this was it was a hard decision and an even harder conversation because we knew exactly well i, I heard kevin we he, i think it was on carabas's podcast today he talked about it about you were he's was called in you could see the look on alex's face you were in there boh was in there veritech was in there i think i mean and obviously those are hard decisions and and you the, the conversations leading up to with it are probably hard not as hard as actually seeing the guy in his face but i guess like before i get to like i, I was going down the road of 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 the fallout from it. But before I get to that, the, the weighing you said, like you have to weigh all of this. How do you weigh? And Kevin said this on the, on Jared's podcast, I kind of came to grips with my job for the last couple of weeks was going to be catch Michael Walker and mentor these other guys. Okay. All right. So how do you, and, and I could make the case of, there's a value to that. I've seen, I don't, honestly, like I didn't know Kevin that well, but I've, I had witnessed him and talked to other guys. 100%. Right. I think there right. Is. Great mentor, yeah. right? So how do you weigh that dynamic? That, what that is of value to this team against, like I said, keeping some of these other guys who are there. How, yeah. how, how I mean, how do you value, because you, I know the narrative is, oh, well, you know, it's just, you're just, Got in guys and you don't care about the club not say you don't care about but the clubhouse isn't like important enough or the whole of baseball isn't valuing the clubhouse but i know that you know that the clubhouse is of value so how do you weigh that how do you weigh literally those two things of having that dynamic having that value to having the value of keeping someone else around yeah I, if if somebody has a way uh, you know a way to put a formula to that or have a perfect mm -hmm. answer to it i'd love to hear it I think at the end of the day, a lot of things in our business are judgment calls and you try to do the best you can. And 
you know, they're decisions that, uh, you know, we, we all make together and there is no perfect solution. There's sometimes easier ways out and harder uh, ways out. That doesn't mean that the easier way out is the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kept coming back to ultimately our responsibility, even where we are, even though we're looking towards the future, we still have a responsibility to, to make the right baseball moves and not to say other things don't factor into that because they do all the time, but, uh, we can't put that aside completely. And so at the end of the day, can I tell you, like, there's some perfect, you know, method to, to making these decisions and making them consistently and making the right way all the time. No, mm. um, you know, you, you basically have to weigh everything, talk about it mm. and, and decide what you want to do. And then you have a responsibility to, to accept, you know, that it might lead to some more conversations that you have, to which have. it did. Yeah. And <laughs> right. you know, that one, you know, in particular, you know, you do that after the game, which I think is the right time to do it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you're doing that, you don't control who's still in the clubhouse and who's not, who's going to find out about it certain ways, but there is no, uh, there, there is no perfect solution to that. Again, you could say, all right, make a different move and none of this would have happened. Sure. But that's still somebody else's career. That's still a responsibility we have to do the right things by, uh, the organization by the club as a whole. And I understand people can look at this differently. People can agree, disagree. We have to own everything we do. Um, but you know, we, we have to factor in all those things and it's great when the thing that feels good and feels right aligns with what you think is best for the organization. That's not always going to be the case and you still have to do what's best for the organization. You just have to be there and be willing to face it and own whatever that might mean for people. Before I get to the follow, how much, how has your view of mentorship in a clubhouse changed? Um, or, or has it over the years? I mean, I've, um, you know, I'm a big, I've seen it. Listen, your manager was a guy like that's what he did in his own way. And, and he, he was a value, plenty of guys on the teams that he played at. Kevin was a guy. Um, has that changed over the years? Do you view that the same as you did uh, even what before you came to Boston, or has it been pretty consistent? I'm, I've always valued it. Every good team I've been around has had guys who have done that well. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of an exception. Um, you know, even going the first good team that I was around was the 08 Rays, and we had guys in that club, um, you know, Eric Hinsky, who whom you oh, my know, goodness. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, Cliff Floyd. Um, you know, Dan Wheeler, what he did, uh, you know, in, the, in that bullpen. Um, and we had actually gotten him the previous year at the trade deadline as a last place club. And it was sort of like our first step, even though it wasn't even the offseason yet towards mm -hmm. building that team. And you don't always know when you acquire guys uh, if they are going to be that. We really liked Plow when we got him. Um, that was one of the first moves we made after I got here. Sure, he replaced Sandy um, Leone, he switched places. And we knew he was a good guy. We knew pitchers liked throwing to him he was a guy where it was hard to anticipate how important he would become. Um, but, you know, seeing him through 20 and handling a, a really tough season incredibly well, and then in 21 kind of taking it to another level, uh, you know, becoming who he became for the club. Uh, and then this year through ups and downs, you know, he's still that guy. Uh, so it's hugely important. You know, we were just at the point with a couple weeks left where there was no free lunch here. Whatever we made was going to have, whatever choice we made was going to have some negatives to it, some negative ramifications. Uh, honestly, these ones, we probably, between me and Alex, we probably took more on ourselves by doing it. And again, some, maybe it's easier to hide and 
and, and kind of do something that's a little easier to do. But, you know, when you don't really think that's the right decision, um, sometimes you got to grit your teeth mm-hmm. and, and, and do the right thing. So you said you talked about the tough conversation you had with Kevin, which was tougher. Well, I mean, that was a tougher one. That's a stupid question. But I would imagine some of the, the conversations that came after that were equally as tough. The, the one with Kevin, for me, was the toughest. Yeah, they're not just, equally yeah, as tough. Again, that's stupid, too. But um, I'll put it this way. You had probably had some other tough conversations after the fact. Yeah, and, and you know, I know, like, this can get easily get looked at as it's either, like, well, yeah, either it's the right baseball move, um, you know, and then you sort of accept it and you move on, or it's something you can be really sad about. Well, I think both are true. Um, sometimes the right the right moves are not always the ones that make you feel good. Um, and that was one of them. And we knew going in, we knew as we were talking about, it would be like that. And, uh, you know, was that we, the message that you gave to what, whoever guys you t- had to talk to? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I never like to go public with private sure. conversations if, if, you know, obviously our players can do that if they want, but I don't think it's for me to do that. Um, I, I just think we, we need to be able to explain what we're doing and why. And I think more important, um, you know, I, I do think people, understand the why they just might disagree with it or they might think it's symbolic of something uh different or something bigger and and that's a more important thing i think to address if somebody feels which i would imagine like you said some people i mean some players thought that right i mean that would be fair stay i mean without getting into specifics but yeah they probably thought that too and and listen i mean we're at the end of the year we can't ignore this emotions are high yeah you know yeah and look, ours are too. I mean, no one wanted to be in this position. Um, we didn't think we'd be in this position. And I don't think those guys thought they would be in this mm-hmm. position. Uh, you know, it's kind of similar to some of the stuff we, we talked about at the deadline. We are. So, you know, you have different choices when you're in this position. Um, but, you know, I, I, th- this is a very tough game and it's an emotional game. And it's not my right to tell people how they should or shouldn't feel. Um, that That's not my right. You've had to do this a lot. Though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. because it's let's be, between, con- we knew that coming in, it was going to be a strange situation with all the contracts and everything else. And then you get the Detroit deadline and you have the Christian Vasquez thing. And, you you know, it's not, it's not a secret. I mean, Xander was really upset. Devers was really upset. You had to address that. And then now you have to deal with like, whoever was upset over this. This is, I guess, another part of your job. Yeah. And, and yes, it is. I think generally speaking, it is a part of this job. And look, like, you know, being up front with you, I knew when I came in to this particular job here at the time that I took it, that, you know, this was going to be an unusually tough time uh, for the organization. That was, by the way, before I knew about (laughs) COVID-19. But just where the organization was, and that sometimes happens when, you know, there's turnover in these jobs, that it was going to be... Uh, you mean you're talking about this y- this year? No, I mean, just going back to 19, just that the first... The, right. That, that during... But you saw where the, the contracts were landing, and you said this could potentially... Yeah, no, just, just where, where, the, where the Red Sox organization yeah. was in the fall of 19, and looking at, you know, what was ahead in the coming years to get to the point that we are trying to get to where we are a perennial World Series contender, that where we were and where we wanted to get to, that was not going to happen without some hard choices. And that doesn't mean we're gonna nail every single one, but we knew, and I certainly knew that it was going to be hard, and in particular, it was gonna be hard for me because I was gonna be at the center of it and gonna be the focus of 
of a lot of negative reactions to those choices. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're really keeping your eye on the prize, you can't run away from those Has hard it been tougher than you thought? Um, which part? Well, when you said you look back and you came in, you knew this was going to all the things that you just laid out. And, you know, we, we, can, we can do our best to predict what's going to happen and, and the tough choices and how you're going to have to turn over the roster and everything else. But until you do it, you know, have situations yeah, like um, we die. That's a really good question. Uh, I would say in certain ways, yes. Just I think there's been a run of things, a lot of the things that the organization couldn't control or that we couldn't control that were unanticipated. Um, you know, mm. when I came in here, whether it's COVID or the Houston report or even some of the individual ways certain players, seasons and careers played out. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's also been more fulfilling than I could have imagined when it goes well. And a lot of the a lot of the tough things and a lot of the less popular things that we did um, the winter of 19 and throughout 20 and even leading up to the 21 season were probably the things that helped us the most to do what we did in 21. Mm. And you know, obviously since then, it's not like that was the end of our tough choices or tough decisions. There have been more and not everything uh, has gone exactly the way we imagined. But I do think if you are trying to make good baseball decisions and doing things for the right reasons, even when they're tough, more often than not, the game will reward that. It does not mean you're going to get every single one right. Mm -hmm. And we can't promise anybody that that we're going to. Uh, and you know, even in the moment, sometimes, sometimes we may believe strongly in something and it lands poorly. And then only, you know, it could be a day later, it could be a week later, it could be a year later, people start looking at it differently. If we do a good job and, and we're focused on making the right decisions for the right reasons, that's going to happen more often than not. And I think if you do that enough, you get the organization to a place where you're not making as many decisions that are going to land this poorly. But I do think some of that was going to come with the territory. And if, if you're afraid of those consequences, if you're afraid for yourself uh, of making those hard decisions, then you shouldn't be doing this. You bring up 19. And so, like I said, tough questions, and I'm not talking about it as, as a hot dog, a sandwich type of tough questions. Well, I don't know where you fall on that. It's, it's, it's a very controversial. Uh, uh, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you. Uh, see, that is, that's a tough one. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like that's you, probably not going to be the toughest thing we're going to talk as, about. As you but... gaze out over Fenway Park. So 2019, I know that obviously you talk about the Mookie thing. And I'm not going to talk about the Mookie thing because Mookie's been done to death. Um, and But he is coming back. I don't know if you know this. If you looked at the schedule, he is coming back next year. Um, so Raphael Devers lines up right now like Mookie did when you took over contractually um and what you did with Mookie and maybe I'm not going to be 100 percent, but I'm going to be pretty close is let's see if we can sign Mookie let's make an offer let's see what we can do now it became clear we aren't going to be able to sign him so you get to January you trade him and you know make that decision and, and you end up trading him in February um, with the understanding that Devers, with with also the understanding every player is different, every scenario is different, which is I you know I've heard that a lot too, but we can't ignore that this is elite player in in similar situation. Can you see a similar approach happening this offseason? Well, like you said, every situation is different. <laughs> um, I was trying to get you. I think one of the <laughs> not to say that. Well, you said it first. I know, but by, usually yeah. when I say it, usually no. But this is this is actually yeah. a really important question. Yeah. And obviously, like I've said this before, I believe it. Like until and unless 
you know, the same thing applies to Xander until and unless there is a deal. Um, what I say doesn't really matter. And I know that, but I do think it's important to explain to people. And a lot of people care about this club and about these guys in particular. And it's important to explain to people kind of how we're thinking about it. Um, you know, understanding that we don't have any sort of a deal, uh, yet that ensures that Rafi's going to be here, you know, beyond next year. Um, I, and again, until, unless we do, I know a lot of this doesn't matter, but we are in a different situation. So for me, the Mookie thing, uh, what I will say about it is the organization at that point was in, um, a really tough position. Obviously, there have been a ton of recent success, but I think it was already pretty clear. And I'm not judging the choices that led to that success because it worked. And that banner, that banner is going to be right uh, below us, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, forever. Uh, also, with a 60 year old playing um, on the fancy yeah. camp. Yes. Uh, so that is, you know, that that's going to be there forever. So I'm not judging that, but I think the fact of the matter was, you know, doing what was done to win that title and then try to run it back in 19. The organization at that point was in a position where clearly, just in terms of present outlook, just in terms of how good the Red Sox could expect to be in 2020 as they were constituted, was clearly not the class of the division. And had very clearly, um, you know, we're, we're at the bottom of the heap in terms of the quality of the farm system. And there were a ton of commitments on the books uh, that, you know, we're fortunate, we're blessed with great resources here, but obviously you still need to be able to have freedom with those resources. And a lot of those resources were tied up. Uh, so it wasn't a very good either short-term or long-term position, you know, that was going to lead to some ch tough choices. I didn't know walking in the door, uh, that, you know, trading Mookie would be the right decision, but I, I did feel that if we got enough that aligned with what we would need to do to put this organization on more solid footing, that it was something we were going to have to consider. So recognizing, like I said, we don't have any assurances that we can give people right now on Rafi. We are in a different position as an organization where I think our talent base, the young talent in the organization is in a much better spot. And we are, you know, not, you know, committed in the same way financially to as, to as many players as we were at that time. So I can't make any guarantees still based on that, obviously, but part of what we have been trying to do is to put the organization in a position uh, where we wouldn't, we wouldn't be backed into that corner. And I do think we've made a lot of progress mm. uh, along that. Now with that, obviously with Mookie, with any player, even if you're in the right position, you, you look around the league and you're looking, you know, the teams that win by making these commitments, win when they make those commitments where they're good for the player and the club, where the deals make sense for everybody, because this is still a team sport and you want to do deals that you can win with that you can build around the player in the right way and, and not end up backing yourself into a corner, sure. uh, you know, sooner rather than later. So, you know, that's what we're looking to do. And we've been pretty steadfast that we are looking to do that. But I think the organization is in a better position so, to be able to do that if we find that. Counter right to that, if Mookie takes the deal that you offer him, then obviously you're, to your point, you're in, you're in a bind, right? You're in, a, you aren't able to still probably execute some things that you want to execute. But he still takes a deal and is still offered. So, um, so it's still a lot of money, right? So that's why I guess I asked the question. Yeah. So, so the one thing I will say, I'm not, I don't want to confirm or <laughs> deny or address any deals because, by the way, not everything. Right. Broadly speaking, what you're saying about the organization is true, but I, I you know, I got, I got the, you. The, the the TikTok of what happened when, what was before sure. me, what, you know, what happened after I came, um, but it, it's not really relevant. Yeah. Those. 
yeah, those are big commitments. That's why you got to make sure you're in a good position to make them because they do come with. Risk. So what you're saying is downside. that I'm, <laughs> I guess I say I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I guess I am. But the Devers, you sign if you sign a contract, a big contract like that, you're in a much better spot to do other things than if you did do the contract before, then it would have been challenging to do other things. Then. Yeah, I actually got this question when I was uh, I was on WEI. I was on, oh, uh, I was on Greg Hill. Are you sure they didn't but, ask you like, oh, go ahead. They, I mean, there's, you never know what they're gonna ask, yeah, yeah. but they did ask this question. They said, you know, what would you say about the perception that you wanna build through the farm system instead of, you know, signing big contracts? And, you know, I paused for a while because you know, I, I was actually sort of confused by the question. And I basically said, why not both? And when you really look at it, it kind of has to be, you, you cannot do this without a, a, a good oh, farm sure. system. You can't. It doesn't matter how much money you have. And, you know, I think the reason the Dodgers were in position to make the deal, both the trade and the signing that they did with Mookie is because he was going to put them over the top because of the pipeline, not only that was established in their big league club, but that they had coming. You know, they've been able to do the things that they've done, you know, with Mookie and then last year what they did at the deadline and then this year signing Freddie Freeman because they have a lot of young talent to put around those guys. And if you don't have that, you are not going to win. Maybe you win once in a while, but you're not going to win every yeah, year. Yeah, and I'm not, so what I'm, you're saying, go ahead, I'm sorry. So, you know, to me, uh, that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that this is kind of an either or thing. When, when you look at successful big market clubs, uh, the, the large commitments work when you can back up the bet with a lot of young talent. Now, there's still better and worse contracts on the books when you look around you know, mm -hmm. any market size. So, you know, you do have to assess it in a vacuum, but you also have to look at, you know, how is this furthering our goal of building a consistent championship contending club? And there's a lot of pieces that go into that and you really have to have it humming on all cylinders. So the context really does matter a lot. And, you know, even aside from any potential terms uh, with Mookie, the biggest thing for me was that we as an organization were not going to be in position to maximize what we could expect to be the best years of any deal. And we had to reposition the organization to get to a better spot. Now, we were hopeful that while we were doing that, that we had enough talent and enough resources that we were gonna be able to win and contend along the way. Obviously in 20 for a whole host of reasons, that just wasn't possible. Last year we did it. We didn't get all the way, but you know, I think we could certainly say, hey, you know, toughest thing to do in sports, right? Is to win and build at the same time. Uh, last year we were able to do both. This year, obviously we haven't done that as well. I think we've continued to build the organization, but uh, you know, the things that we've done to try to, to try to do both at the same time didn't work as well this year, but the philosophy has been the same that we ought to be able to, to win while we are building the organization to a point where these choices are not as tough because we're in better position. We're on more I, solid I, footing. We have more options. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I think we're getting somewhere here. I think we're making like so like in terms of clearing up narratives without, you know, like I know that you're in a tough spot, man. Like because we ask you, hey, you're going to sign Devers. Hey, you gonna, well, how come you didn't do this with Mookie? Hey. But so you have to dance through the raindrops a little bit. But 
using that analogy, and I'm not saying you're where the Dodgers are. I mean, the Dodgers just, you know, they're 30, 21 games up on San Diego. They're, they're a wagon. But you're closer to where the Dodgers, how the Dodgers are going to be or ended up being than you were certainly when the Mookie deal was was offered. Um, so I get like, so I, what you're saying, like it, to me anyway, that becomes a clearer thing, you know? Because like, when I ask you, I say, hey, you know, like you, what if Mookie took $310 million, you know, instead, you know, but you, you make a lot of sense. You have the backup now that you didn't have before. Yeah. And look, you know, I, I remember last year at the end of the season, you know, sitting there with uh, Alex and BOH and Sam, you know, in front of you guys. And uh, one, one thing that I, you know, I, I kind of chuckled about then I was like, you know, folks, we don't get to start over with a two to one lead in the ALCS and see if we can finish it off. <laughs> Uh, we still, you know, this this was an amazing ride, but we go back to zero now in terms of the standings. We've we've banked a lot of progress that we've made in the organization, but we still are where we are, and we still have a long way to go with that progress. And you know, you look at uh, organizations that are doing it really well, and a lot of that stuff that that they do underneath so well that backs up, you know, what they're trying to do at the big league level. That's always a work in progress, and it, it certainly is still here. But I do think you know, feel really strongly that we're pointing in the right direction with that, that we are on much better footing than we were a few years ago, mm -hmm. but we still need to keep going with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we make good choices, we should be able to win and contend along the way. And not every single decision we make along those lines is going to work out. And obviously, you know, this year, some things have not. And then on top of that, we've been snake bit both in terms of injury and just in terms of the way games worked out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's had this conversation with about 12 different guys in our club where they said it feels like every game we're in. And then we just find ways mm -hmm. not to win them. And, you know, that that has there's been a little bit of that, too. But uh, the thought process of what we've been trying to do and the North Star that we're pointed to, that hasn't changed. So we got to make sure we're, we keep moving towards that. And as we do and as that pipeline fills out, it actually opens up more options for us. You know, we really want to be in a point where we have the whole menu available to us, but we have to be able to back it up through talent flowing from every direction. So one of the things, you know, in terms of building, um, to part of it is if I go back to Theo, he, he did a great job of this of locking up Pedroia and and Lester and Euclid and and you know and even even Beckett going that 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 was a whole thing. Um, and you did it with Whitlock. I mean, I think that you did it with Whitlock. The one that I couldn't understand, and I, and I'm glad you're here because I want to ask you is that you know when I go up to Rafi Devers on March 23rd and say, have you talked at all? No. Have you ever talked? No. And so, listen, I can only take his word for it, but, and I know that half of the, what I'm talking about, the lead into Rafi Devers' major league career, wasn't on your watch. I understand that. And a lot of times these deals, Mookie said, the first deal was the hardest one to turn down. The first offer was the hardest one to turn down. You never see that much money. That's why, you know, it makes a lot of sense to offer. So I don't know how much you can just I get offer on like, why that wasn't like whether it was you know I guess again since you took over we can only go from 2000 end to 2019, but when Devers tells me that and I know that reportedly an offer was made later on after he said that but to that point he said there had been no conversations. Can you offer any insight to that? Yes. Yeah, well, as far as this past spring, I think everything was on a weird. Uh, timetable where, yeah. um, you know, look, I, I don't, 
I tend not to like to talk about these things unless there's a deal, but uh, I'll go as far as to say that, you know, subsequent to when he was asked that question, we did have some conversations uh, this, this past spring. Um, yeah, but look, I, you know, I think you're going, the, the topic that led to this, um, and as you pointed out, some of it was before I was here. I, I do think that's something you look historically, and it had been a while since the Red Sox had done a deal with a player that early in his career. Now, because around the game you see some of these deals, I think people sometimes assume like, oh, there's one there with every player, and it's just a question of whether the team wants to do it or not. Why aren't they doing this? And the fact of the matter is a lot of players have the, for whatever reason, which they're, they all have their reasons, I totally respect those, it's not for everybody. Mm. And some guys don't want to do it, and you have to respect where the player's at. Um, you know, I, I am, I generally speaking think that when it's the right player, and more importantly, the right person, uh, and you know them, you trust them. That's a them. big part of it too, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to make sure that because they, they're getting Julio Rodriguez getting a lot of money. It's twenty-one year old. Yeah. You better make sure he's a mature twenty-one. Yeah, and look, that's true when you're looking at free agent commitments. Yeah. I mean, we're fortunate. Like we have uh, Rafi's one of them, and and obviously Bogey, and you know we thought that of Wit, and there we have other people like that where you know you can trust them, and that matters a lot. But I do think you know I, I am hopeful that as we go forward, that can. Uh, kind of make a revival as part of uh, what the Red Sox do. I mean, and you did Long again, Longoria. It, yeah, it not, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And there's a lot of players that don't want to do them. Part of what gets these guys to where they are is their self-confidence. And a lot of guys like to go year by year and bet on themselves mm -hmm. and see what they can do in free agency. And I totally respect that and actually admire it. And some of it, it goes along with what makes these players who they are. Uh, but when it all lines up, when it's right for us and we believe in the player, we believe in the person and they believe it's a good sharing of risk and upside, you know, that's really what it is. It's not you, you, you sort of see these things. I don't I actually tell players this sometimes when we talk about this stuff, even before we exchange numbers. So you often see this term oh, the team rewarded the player with this extension or gave them this extension. I don't see it that way. I think that's kind of demeaning to the player like it, they understanding that they're under our control for a while, like. They have agency in this. They have rights. Mm -hmm. It really should be about whether they see this as a good sharing of risk and sharing of upside with the club. Mm -hmm. And when that exists and 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 we believe in the player, then then there's a chance to do a deal. And I think that, you know, not every single one is going to work out uh, because a lot can happen with young players. That's part of why they do that oh, because sure. they're insuring themselves against the risk. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty but, of examples of... You know, the Red Sox have had some good examples of those deals working out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hope we're able in the right situations yeah, to do more come, of them in the future. I mean, you don't have to come from Tampa to have, you have examples of being immersed in this to know that it works out, but you do. You have examples of this working yeah. out where and, you came from. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, that's what it means to share risk. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did it with Whitlock, so that was a good, yeah. So excellent example. Excellent job. Good job. Um, I'm here to build up. Uh, so um, when it comes to the other guy, Xander Bogarts, and I'd be curious to to get your perspective on his year. Um, and I know he's been banged up. I know he's, you know, there's a lot going on. I guess the question I would have is, as we sit here right now, do you think that he has improved as a player um, since the beginning of the year? Like the numbers defensively shows that he has. So what do you, what's your perspective of that? That's a good question. I mean, he's been such a good player for such a long time that it, it's kind of a hard question to answer in a sense. Uh, I do think he's had a, a, a strong year defensively, but that's I'm not telling you anything that you know people mm -hmm. who watch our games don't see. 
I, I just, I, I keep going back and I know a lot of us do to his consistency and you know, there's, I, I have worked with, uh, in, in, in my past organization, I worked with a veteran scout who used to look at amateur players and, and, and call them as a compliment, boring, good. Um, <laughs> and that was a compliment that basically this player is going to show up every day and he's going to do the right things to put you in position to win a baseball game. Mm-hmm. And now Xander happens to be a really talented athlete and great player on top of that. But the consistency of just showing up and, and doing it every day uh, is something that he brings as well as probably any player who's playing now, as well as any player I've been around. And uh, it's not always flashing on any given day, but you can count on it. And that is huge. That's really important. Mm-hmm. How much do you value um, – n- n- how much do you value the entire package of of Xander, of a guy? I mean, it's just I, I, I could say of a player, but I'm going to say just of Xander. Like, how much do you value that entire package when you go into es- estimating um, uh, the value of a player? Because you know, listen, I mean, every player. It's not usually. It's not just he can get guys out. It's clubhouse. It's work ethic. It's all the things you said. Like Trevor Story is a, good, a great example of this. Is that Good work ethic, good clubhouse guy, can potentially move positions, all of that. It's part of it. So how much do you value the entire package? Leadership, like a guy saying, oh, he's our captain, everything. How much do you value that? Yeah, a lot. I think it's, uh, I'll put it this way. You know, normally when you look at players at the point in their career uh, that he's getting to, um, you know, on paper, that that's usually the time uh, – you know, to get off the bus. To me, it's, it's basically a threshold issue that like we shouldn't, it's because of all those things that he brings, uh, that he's the type of guy that you want to have here for a long time that, you know, you want to have here hopefully for his whole career. Um, you need that to be a, a good player and a core player, uh, for, as long as we expect that he will be. Mm. Um, and if you don't have that, it's, it's usually not going to happen. doesn't mean you're not going to play a long time, but you're not going to be able to be that type of player as, you know, as you get into your 30s. It's probably more important in Boston uh, just because of how intense this experience is, both good and have bad. You, have you come to a better understanding of that since you've been here, or did you know that going in? I think I knew it going in. Uh, it's different to live it for sure Mm -hmm. and just see what it entails and both through your own eyes and my own experiences but also seeing what players go through um but i knew it you know i've been in this division for a long time and uh have seen a lot of players you know as an opponent i've seen a lot of players come in here and uh some of them do better than others Mm -hmm. and you start to see some of the reasons why and you know it's it is if this is the type of experience that you you like and you want there's nothing better but it's not for everybody and you know when there is always risk um you know with someone who's not used to it and trust me as an opponent we saw oftentimes we were happy about it seeing how some new players did not adjust well to this place oh sure and you know it was one of the reasons like you know going back to the winter before 21 uh that we went after kike and even though it wasn't a huge huge investment we saw him as really key to our mm-hmm. off season both because we thought he, he would do for us on the field but we felt pretty strongly that this was the type of guy who would thrive in this environment so the the narrative has yeah and the narrative there's has been a narrative and this is going well before you is that hey you know what they don't value that exactly what you're talking about enough they, they look at the grass is always greener mentality. 
Well, you know, what you're saying is that no, you, this is this is valued by the organization. Yeah. And look, if if people think we value it, you know, not enough, enough, too much, whatever, that's subjective, right? People can and should have their own opinions. Mm -hmm. This is baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's definitely something I know coming in here, I value it pretty highly because, like I said, I very often uh, with great joy, I watch players come in here who probably shouldn't be playing here and not enjoy it very much and, and struggle to be themselves. I don't themselves. know who you could talk about. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that was, uh, you know, that's something you, when you see it up close uh, and now I'm seeing it even closer, yeah. you know, you get to value it more. Again, I know like where the rubber meets the road is, okay, what does that mean when you put it in terms of moves you're willing to make or, uh, you know, commitments you're willing to make? Um, that's obviously where the rubber meets the road and there's room to disagree on, you know, that that's part of the fun of the game is, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's going to have slightly different views of it and views of, okay, what's this player worth or what move should they make? Or do I like this trade or do I like that sign that signing? But, uh, you know, for sure, uh, it's something I, I think if you, if you don't value that, you're just not paying attention. I mean, how can you watch mm -hmm. teams function and, and, and win and sometimes lose in this, in this city and not value that? It's different. I mean, it's definitely a different place. Um, speaking of valuing things, when you go into this this offseason, are you going to value home runs maybe more? Do you think that maybe even you have in, in other times? Yeah, it's, it, it, I don't think we were undervaluing them coming into this season. Just obviously we haven't hit a ton of them. And some of that has been a little unexpected from guys that you would expect to demonstrate more power. Some of it, you know, certain spots on the field was a little bit more of a conscious choice, but not because we didn't value home runs, just because we were looking for different ways to – to improve our defense. Actually, one of the reasons that uh, we are so interested in Trevor is because he does both. Right. Uh, just unfortunately, he hasn't been on the field as much as we would have liked. And, uh, you know, it, it obviously took him a little while to get going. But uh, it, look, it's you don't want to sell out for him to the exclusion of other things that help you win baseball games. No, but a lot of you games, can say that about yeah. a lot of things, right? Yeah. You, know, you, have to, you have to make your choices. A, a lot of the games we haven't won, we haven't won, not because of homers, but because we haven't executed in some other areas of the game. But there's a reason that they're valued. The re reason people pay for them. It's one of the, it's the quickest way to score. And uh, in today's game with that how tough true. it is to hit it, you sometimes need to be able to score runs in bunches. And that's one of the ways to do it. We obviously have not gotten the power production out of this year's club that we expected to get. Mm. Um, we, we want and need to do better in that regard, but I don't think it was, you know, whatever shortfall we've had this year, I don't think came from us deciding to value home run power any less. I, I think it's a combination of, you know, wanting to make sure we improve the club in some different ways and then just the way the season played out and just kind of the, the years that some guys have had. So, but it'd be fair to say, okay, you know, not less or more, but going in, it might be a priority. That you yeah, look, I mean, last year and this year, our offense was kind of built uh, not necessarily as, you know, you can, they're not saying anything that isn't visible just in the, in the numbers that, um, you know, and we've had, even this year, we still have had a pretty good offense despite that. Hmm. Uh, and last year, uh, you know, the offense was also good, but it was an offense that mostly thrived on damage. When we were at our best, we controlled the zone and we had good at bats. But this was an offense that that was not necessarily the calling card. The calling card was we were going to be able to damage the baseball. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do that really well without being able to hit it over the fence. Mm -hmm. So to some degree that has been who we are now, a lot of the conversations that we've had, you know, going back to the team that we became last year in the postseason, or even uh, at stretches this year when we've played better uh, is that team 
coming to the plate with a good, consistent approach, controlling at bats, controlling the strike zone, just keeping the quality of quality of at bats high. We need to do that too. But there's no question, a lot of the guys in this lineup, and Rafi's probably the best example. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to swing, but he he hits the ball so hard, and he's such a talented hitter uh, that he's going to be able to do damage, and that's a huge part of our identity. And so we need to make sure that that we have enough home run power to back that. If there up. was only a person who's going to be a free agent who hits home runs, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I I don't know who that could be. Um, so the last thing is, and thanks, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, and I do like it is it. It's as you know, and I think this is one of the reasons why you're here. You've been accountable, and it's important to have these conversations. And about, and I've asked you things that I was curious about, and so, and you've answered them, which I appreciate. Um, so we go through the year and the different narratives and everything else. One of the narratives that popped up was the relationship you had with Alex. Um, a lot of the national guys, sort of, to be perfectly honest, latched onto this. Uh, what do you want to say about that? Like, I, 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 the floor is yours when it comes to this. Yeah, I mean, one thing. Uh, again, I used to have, I used to enjoy it a lot more when I was on the outside looking in. That I have uh, certainly learned and experienced here is, you know, we talked about it when we when we started talking. When you invited me to ask you questions, yeah, is there is this need to uh, to write the soap opera, and so people are going to look for things. They're going to try to stir things up can't worry about that. Um, I think I, I have Alex is, uh, incredible and I've worked with some really good managers. And one of the things in the best, uh, you know, manager GM or chief baseball officer, whatever you have, or whatever relationship you have, um, is how you compliment each other and learn from each other. And at the end of the day, like we're in this together. Um, we have different jobs. Um, you know, we're different people, but we're, we're in it together. Mm-hmm. We help each other. We try to pick each other up. He's going to be able to bring some things to the table that I won't. And hopefully the same is true on my end. And we help each other out. I mean, you, you, do you feel like it's as it's gone on because of the different skill sets, the different dynamics? Because when, sometimes when you have different skill sets and different personalities and everything, it's hard at first. And then you realize exactly what you said, which is, oh, wait a second. This complements this or that better do you feel like that's been the case as it's gone along yeah 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 and you know it's you know obviously there's a lot of uniqueness to you know when alex came back him having been here before and all that but we're still in any of these relationships you're learning each other as you go and some of that you know it's it's a lot of fun when you're learning you know by dumping champagne on each other after you you just won a playoff series Mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of fun in any season, even last year we were having a really successful season, there's going to be moments where it's not as much fun just because things aren't going as well. And sometimes you learn the most from those and you really learn how to help each other out, mm-hmm. how to be there for each other, how to be the person that for each other that you can uh, close the door and say anything to. And, you know, there are moments, you know, I know Alex has said like, he's like, well, you know, I'm more patient. He's more pedal to the metal. Um, you know, broadly speaking, I think that's probably true. I think some of it also gets to like the different jobs that we have. Right. And there are going to be points. Like, I think, like I said to you earlier, I think some of the best things that happened last year happened because of that. Like, you don't, if, if you're going pedal to the metal, you don't take a rule five guy. Hmm. And we got unexpected rewards from that we like garrett we didn't uh, he made us look probably a little smarter than we are right because we we had a lot of we, we thought there was a lot of upside there but probably neither we nor the yankees knew just what w- he was going to look like sure you know, coming off that surgery uh and that speaks to sometimes the unexpected rewards of taking the long view and then there are other times where we'll have a conversation and it's and uh 
you know, you know, he'll open my eyes to something of, you know, now, now is the time to do this. And, uh, those things happen too. And, you know, that's, that's one of the, the joys of mm-hmm. going through it with somebody and getting to know them and, and learning from them. I lied. Cause I just thought of this. Sorry. Um, the, one of the other things, because this is about this, I'm selfish and this is about all my curiosities. Um, one of the things is I know that I, you just did a great interview with Ian Brown on the newsletter and he was asking you about the bullpen and bullpens are a hard thing to, to build. I mean, ask any GM, the old, young, anything. It's the hardest thing to build, I think, right? Well, it's definitely it's the, most the thing that right? when, when it's not going well, it yeah. will cost you the most sleep. Okay. All right. Um, so going in, you were banking on some things, and, and some things actually worked out much better. Schreiber, um, Hulk actually emerged and everything else. Do you look at it as what's your view of, of paying for certainty? The, with the understanding there is no such thing as certainty but paying for the idea of certainty. Obviously, when you pay more money for someone, you're paying for a better idea of what you think you're going to get. And I know you did that with Ottavino. You did that to a certain extent with Diekman. Um, but, you know, what's your viewpoint of having an anchor, some anchor, some something along those lines going forward? Do you value it more after what you went through this year, or is it the same approach? Um, you know, I think we valued it coming into this year but to me, it's not really about the size of the check. I think there's less correlation there with relievers uh, than in other areas of the game where, uh, you know, in building a bullpen, guys emerge in different ways and you can maximize guys in different ways. So I do think you want reliable guys that you can count on. Um, that doesn't always correlate with, hmm. you know, what their salary is. In fact, when you look around us, including in our own division, uh, teams around us that have had good bullpens in almost every case, the best work in those bullpens is not being done by the guys who are making the most money. So it really comes down to putting together a good bullpen. So we absolutely want more reliability, more predictability than we had down there this year. And that's something, you know, I've probably lost more sleep about about that than anything else Mm. because, you know, it's something that I take a lot of pride in making sure that, you know, our roster is well set up in terms of being able to shut down games and finish games. Um, You know, something that I know... um, you know, coming in here from where I came from was something that became a hallmark over there. Now, we had some tough years with it over there, too. We mm-hmm. didn't nail every choice, uh, but especially recently, it's obviously been a strength. Uh, so, you know, that's something where uh, we need to do better, not just in terms of acquisition, but in terms of how we're setting guys up for success, how we're getting the most out of guys, helping guys be the best versions of themselves. I think with relievers, like that's such a big part of it is helping them know because they're not in the game for very long. It really a lot of times comes down to them having a really good feel for their strengths mm-hmm. and how they can attack guys and having great confidence in those strengths. Mm-hmm. And so that's an area I think organizationally for us, for us just to level up in. And, and you know, when I look at and, and we've dissected uh, a lot of the thought process that went into who we targeted, who we got, um, you know, I do think broadly speaking, we we were looking at a lot of the right guys, but just the way it came together, you know, some of the chances we either did take or didn't take just didn't add up the way we wanted this Mm -hmm, year. mm -hmm. Um, I think we're, you know, I'm hopeful and I think we have been seeing it a little bit lately and I'm hopeful we can finish the season on a high note. You know, you look at someone like Barnsey, who's kind of, you know, reemerging after going through a tough period, you know, it gets to sometimes the the roller coasters you ride with these guys, regardless of what their paycheck is. Yeah. Um, And some of these young guys getting chances to emerge. Uh, that's an area where bottom line, 
you said it. You want to have reliability. Hmm. That that's different to me. It sometimes can line up with, with big expenditure, but sometimes it's just about finding the right guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of the reason we went and we got we got Otto was because of Herman who came with him. Right. And we were able to get both those guys. So it kind of served a dual purpose. And because we had we were looking um, to try to do a lot of different things at once to build and win, we ended up coming into a guy who not only did great work pretty much wire to wire for us but also was a tremendous mentor out there and helped a lot of guys and helped garrett come along and and helped us in a lot of different ways so Mm -hmm. there's all different ways to find these guys the important thing is to make sure we're on the right guys and we are getting those reliable options because nothing makes it easier for me to sleep for alex to sleep for bushy to sleep than feeling good about who is going to finish games when you have the lead. I have the solution. So we have identified that you need home runs and you need a, a bullpen arm. A guy named Shohei Itani can do both. <laughs> there you go. See, that's, I'm thinking outside the box. Uh, any last – this is a last chance. Any questions for me or for my media brethren? Anything at all? Now you're, you're you're turning this into like some sort of like festivus like uh, airing the, the grievances. No, no. You don't, that doesn't have to be a grievance. No, I but... actually I appreciate this yeah. because like you said, hey, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. Like, Did I ask tough man, questions? Yeah, yeah, you did. But but you asked real questions, and we were yeah. able to have a real conversation. Yeah. And you know, I think that's that's important. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I we are not sitting here where any of us wanted to be, um, and when you have people care about this team as much as our fans do, we owe them a lot of insight into why we think that happened, where we're going, what we're trying to do about it. And the more chances we get, you know, it's a real conversation just to, to, to reinforce here's where we were, here's where we are, here's where we're going. I think it's a good thing because mm-hmm. I do think, you know, going back to talking about a lot of the interactions I've had with fans, I think broadly speaking, like people are in that with us, but they have questions. And, you know, you guys are how they find out the answers to a lot yeah. of those questions. So yeah, I mean, I think, talk about it, I think that, and in, in to, to be fair to you, I think that you've always been available. Um, my interactions, you're down the field, you're, you're available and everything else. And sometimes, honestly, it's sort of like, you know, from the media's perspective, it's you're, you go in, you're so focused on one thing. You go in and ask. We haven't, to, to, so to have this sort of extensive conversation, I think is important. I think, and it's important also because you got a free t shirt out of it. So, uh, but thanks, I I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Good talking to thanks. you. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.